Are you new to investing? Wondering whether or not you can self-manage your properties? Let us tell you about our partner, RentReady. RentReady is an awesome property management software that can help you grow and handle every aspect of your real estate investing business. Rent collection, tenant screening, maintenance, lease signing, listing. Honestly, RentReady has everything. One of the best features is their new tenant software, Latchel, where you're able to remove yourself as the landlord from being the middleman between tenants and maintenance calls. And it's also essentially a fraction of the cost of what you would pay for property management. Let me also mention that RentReady is unlimited. All their plans are flat price. This means you can keep adding properties to your portfolio without having to pay more. You can close on all the properties you want and RentReady's price stays the same. Best part about it is for you guys is they've given us an amazing deal to pass on to all Weekly Juice listeners. You can get 50% off any RentReady plan at rentready.com when you use our code JUICEPOD. That's rentready.com, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code JUICEPOD, J-U-I-C-E-P-O-D, and you'll get 50% off any plan. If this is your first time here, welcome. During our shows, we interview successful entrepreneurs and investors to spread knowledge, advice, and actionable tactics to help others in the pursuit of financial freedom. We discuss successes, failures, systems, motivations, experiences, and key lessons learned along the way in the hopes that these stories help you along your journey. Tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice. If you've been here before and like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, share with friends, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes an extremely long way for us. It's simple. Just click on your podcast app, type in our podcast name, The Weekly Juice, click on the reviews and let us know what you think. The more ratings we get, the more eyes we'll get in our show and in turn, we'll be able to provide you all with high quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod for daily content and personal finance tips to assist in your journey towards financial freedom. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, Ryan and Corey here with another episode for you. Today we had on special guest Brennan, aka Budget Dog. He is amazing. I mean, we just had so much fun with him. He has a wealth of knowledge on personal finance, investing, um, and just overall helping people win with their money. He's a CPA by day and I guess an investor and a finance coach by night and just awesome guy and a lot of knowledge in this episode. Yeah. But not only that, he also taught a lot of uh, us and a lot of people how to monetize his business on Instagram and on social media and just like all the new ways to do affiliate marketing. And so it's, it's a lot of it, personal finance, investing, and that type of stuff, but also building a, building a side hustle into a business and like specific tactics on how he grew his following to like 40,000 followers and started making money, partnering with other people, um, promoting posts. And so, so we do have like a little bit of, of both in there. So if you're looking to start a side hustle or want to know how to grow a following, it's kind of uh, it's both. Yeah. He's, he built his community up from zero to 40,000 followers within two years and is now on track to potentially retire from his day job, his nine to five at the end of this year and do his essentially budget dog, budget dog Academy full time. That's amazing. amazing. So it's, it's people, there's a lot of people that listen to the show and that are on Instagram and they're trying to monetize a business or create a business. It doesn't have to be in personal finance. This is the episode for you. There's a ton of tactics throughout. I'd get your pen and paper ready to go. Cause Brennan just, he brings the heat and um, yeah, just, we had a blast. Yeah, we did. We really did have a blast. And I think one of the things that the reason that we started this podcast is we, we decided this is what we like to talk about. This is what we like to do. And Brennan is now basing a full-time job going to be around stuff he likes to do. So that's what this is all about. 
dive in, listen, like Ryan said, get a pen and paper. It's a, it's a really good episode and there's a lot of useful information that you can take away. So, so let's bring in budget dog. Let's do it. All right, Brennan, officially welcome to the weekly juice podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. You've uh, come highly recommended. We've been following your journey on Instagram and uh, we're excited to have you. So thanks for coming on. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So can you please just give a brief background on yourself, who you are, where you're from and uh, you know, kind of how you dove into the financial independence, retire early movement and uh, let listeners know about you. Yeah. Um, you know, dating back to, you know, 10 years ago, I started getting on this personal finance kick, this journey, um, helping myself to begin with and getting it, to, getting to know how to kind of, you know, dictate the future. There's so many years ahead of us and we're, we're so young. Right. So I started doing that on a personal level and then I started extending it to, you know, family, friends, uh, people locally. And I was like, okay, I'm, this is starting to make sense. This is, you know, I'm starting to build like a rapport with these people. I want to do this on a bigger scale. So I went ahead and went to social media, obviously a couple of years later, um, after we went through our personal finance journey ourselves, paying off all that debt. And I was like, how can I reach as many people as possible? So Instagram, Twitter, um, any social media account that I have wasn't basically an intention to do that. So to expand my reach and which I did. So, um, I started expanding my reach. I started the account budget dog, uh, a little brief history on the, the name budget dog is actually, uh, from my, the dog we were, we got when we paid off a lot of debt. So we paid off $76,000 of debt in 2018. Um, and kind of as our present, we got, a, we got a new dog. So he was kind of an inspiration behind the whole thing. When we were starting to think of the names, we were trying to get creative with it. My wife and I, um, and we were like, what can we bring into, cause we're not social media experts. We were not before now, obviously. And so what two niches in the finance community can we bring together? So we were like, okay, budgeting is obviously a big one. That's the whole goal behind this account, budgeting and finance, but also like dogs, who doesn't love dogs? So to bring those together was, a, was kind of the, the push to, you know, connect with a bigger audience than just the finance nerds out there. Um, and so that's what we kind of did. And so it's been, you know, two years since I started the account and it's been excellent. I mean, we've been reaching so many different people um, of all different, you know, uh, income levels and just helping a ton of people with this. And it's just, I think we're just getting started. So I'm really excited to be here and, you know, um, further my cause, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious if you've always known that you wanted to help people with money. I know you kind of briefly said it there, but like what sparked for you or even not even helping other people with money, but just in your own life, like why, what happened that made you say like, I need to approach this differently than the average person. Yeah, no, certainly. I think, I think I've always been kind of a giving person, like in the, in the mode of, you know, trying to um, help people in some sort of way. And I think I found something that I was good at and something I could help people with and putting it together. I realized that was like my, I guess my calling, I guess you could say. So being able to extend that was a, was a huge benefit. Um, you know, I can specialize in, in personal finance and different things like that, but I'm, I'm not, an expert in a lot of other things. So I realized if I can specialize with this niche, helping people, it's a, it's a one, two punch combo, you know? Absolutely. All of that. So you have, um, you know, it's, it's posted on your social media that your goal is to be a millionaire by 35. You're currently 29. Kind of give us the, the reasons why, like, that's a goal for you. Like, why do you want to be a millionaire? Obviously many people can guess why for, for themselves, but what's the, the why behind it for you? And uh, like, what are you hoping to get out of life? 
So, you know, I, we, I say a millionaire and obviously from a balance sheet perspective, it, you know, it's assets minus liabilities equals a million dollars. It's simple, a simple equation. And I think it's kind of one of those points where you've reached some sort of a financial pretty big goal, but to back up and talk about my why, that's a whole different story. So a million dollars is not my why. Like that's a, that's a financial goal I want to hit. You know, I think I'm going to be able to hit it by 35 probably earlier, but that's not my driving passion. My, my passion is really the freedom. The goal behind it is freedom to teach people how to, you know, get out of debt, um, invest, you know, change their whole mindset behind money and become free. There's no reason just to accumulate, to accumulate in my opinion. So a lot of people are like, you know, why wouldn't you like currently we're paying off our house really early. Um, and we have $76,000 left on the loan. So what we do is invest 20% of our gross income. Anything over that goes to the house. And so some people are like, that's stupid. You should be investing that difference. But I look at it differently. I look at it as freedom um, from debt, from banks, all that kind of stuff, um, a le less stress. Um, and I'm not trying to maximize the dollar. So of course we could get the millionaire status a little earlier if we wanted to, but that's not our ultimate goal. So that's really the why, the driving factor behind that million dollars and 30, where 35 kind of comes into play. I find it very interesting. And I've had these conversations with more people. I think the pandemic has actually made people think about this very differently. And like, almost like, man, I've been in this like rat wheel, just like spinning and spinning. And then when it came, everything came to a halt, they're like, am I like doing this the right way? Like, is this, is this what it's supposed to feel like? And I find it interesting. Like you can spend $75,000 a year and make $200,000 a year and become financially free, like pretty quick, or you can spend, spend $180,000 a year and be in this wheel. And it's just like, and that's obviously high numbers. Maybe people don't make that, but it's like, it's very interesting paying off your, your home. Like I haven't thought about that as like my primary, but like Ryan and I have talked about our real estate portfolio. It's like, we don't need to have 60 units. Like we could have right. 20 units and have 10 of them paid off. And you're just like in this position that you don't have to be highly leveraged. So Anyway, I really, I really like that approach. So I think um, I'm curious what are like some specific tactics that you might tell people that they can begin. Let's say that they realize that they're like, I need to cut my spending. I need to follow a budget. What are some specific tactics that you can give people right off the bat to kind of get started in, in trying to become financially free earlier? Yeah. So typically with a budget, everyone goes to, Oh crap, I have to restrict all my spending. And they like stop right there. And they're like, I don't want to proceed any further. So I try to like get around that. When I first talk, talk to somebody about that, or like my clients and stuff. And I explained to them, this is just a spreadsheet to tell you where your money's going. Simple as that. Um, if you tell your money, it's going to go to spending, it will go to spending. If it goes to investing, it goes to investing. So it doesn't matter necessarily how you spend your money, as long as you use some principles behind it. Some common rules of thumbs I kind of put in the budget often is like 25% of living expenses would be a really good, you know, rule of thumb, 25% of your take-home pay, not gross pay. Um, and I say 25% and people are like, well, I'm at 28. I'm like, guys, listen, it doesn't have to be exact. It can be less, it can be more, but realize it's a goal. It's a rule of thumb because I don't want you to be house poor in the meantime. You know, if all your money's going to the house, you're not going to be making much money on that return. It's not really a great investment on a personal residence. And it shouldn't be, um, you know, other real estate's a whole different story, but your personal residence is your personal residence. Like if you want to like upgrade something, you might not get the return you're looking for in investment wise, but it's still like your personal residence. So I'd like to, to, you know, clarify that it's like, it's okay. So I like to use that rule of thumb. Um, I like to use 15% of your gross income to retirement. So as long as you have 15% 
in a decent salary, you know, even 50,000, starting off 50,000, you know, growing from that, you're going to be well off, um, being able to invest that for, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, anything over that I like to do taxable brokerage, real estate, um, different types, you know, cryptocurrency I recently actually got into. Um, yeah, I saw that. So there's a, a lot of different methods and, you know, routes you can take, but those, those kind of rules of thumbs are always in place in my budget that I like to talk about. And I like to explain to them guys, it's your personal, personal budget. It's not mine. Like I'm going to help you guide you, but those are some things I think should be in place. I think, you know, obviously we're interviewing because you have a unique story and, and you're paying off, you've already paid down a ton of debt in past 2018. And then you're currently on a, a crazy trajectory to pay off your, your current home. You mentioned that 80% of, of all that you bring in goes to your home and then 20% goes to your investments. Can you just give people a little bit, I know you gave recommendations previously on, on what you would do, but what are you currently doing? Like if you could give a brief snapshot of like a 29 year old self, what are you currently investing in and kind of divvy up that pie just to give people an idea of like, Hey, like this is a route I could potentially go. Yeah. So 20% of our income, like you said, was to investments. So that's uh 15% primarily to index funds. Um, and that's within retirement, like Roth IRA and 401k. Um, the other 5% goes to crypto and HSA, which are also in index funds in the HSA as well. So that's the other 5%. So that's as simple as that Roth IRA, 401k, we have ESOP and pension, but that's kind of a side. That's not what we actually contribute to. Um, so 401k IRAs are the most basic fundamental accounts that you can get started with. If you're looking for something to get started with, um, HSAs are a great tool. I often talk about them as a triple tax benefit. It's, it's a win-win situation. Um, cause everyone's going to have health costs in, in the future anyway. So it's a good way to save. Cryptocurrency has been a recent kind of, uh, a, literally a week ago, I started investing in this. So I have a very small percentage, like less than 1% of my portfolio is in crypto at this point. I'm trying to expand that to about two to 5% of my portfolio in total. Um, and once I get there, I think I'm going to be comfortable with that allocation. Now, once we have the house paid off, the other 80% technically of invest of allowable assets, I guess you could say, are going to the house. So that's a huge portion at this point. I mean, I think this month alone, we're going to be paying... $14,000 towards the house alone, um, wow. additional principal. So that's a pretty big portion. So when that you money built up to that, right? Like, it's not like you oh, just said, absolutely. woke up one day and you're like, I'm, I have 15 grand to just throw <laughs> into it. Right. Like, a absolutely. So, yeah. so part of it, you know, we increased our income. Um, it was not 14,000. We would not be able to do that in the beginning. Um, we've tripled our income since 24 years old. So in five years, which, and we both had college degrees. So we started at a pretty good salary, right? So tripling our income is pretty significant. A lot of this coming from, um, budget dogs, profits in, in the new business and everything. But one of the things I like to tell people is don't get caught up in the numbers of 14,000 or, you know, 10,000. Cause that's kind of discouraging a lot of times. And so I'd like to, you know, explain that on my post guys, if it's $500 that you have extra and you can put towards an investment or mortgage or real estate, whatever you want to do, just do it. Like everyone's numbers are going to look different. Look at it a percentage basis. Because when you look at it percentage wise, like it's going to make more sense. And you can like, Hey, I invest 15%. You invest 15%. Yeah. Our numbers look different, but we're still on the same pace, you know, as far as like overall allocations. So when we get that money back, we're probably going to take a lot of that. We have a baby on the way um, in September, but most of that money is going to go to invest taxable brokerage investments and potentially real estate down the line. Um, we haven't really made a succinct plan yet. Um, but I can tell you that, Part of it's going to go to her investments, you know, 529. Um, we've talked about the UPMA or UGMA. 
possible route and a Roth IRA for her. So she's going to be well invested probably before she's five years old. She probably have a higher net worth than most people. <laughs> um, and that's what we want to do with all of our kids. And, you know, the sacrifice up front to make sure she's okay is, is important to us. That's very cool. Yeah. I have one for you. I, I want to break down. I don't want to go too much into this, but I think it's nice to touch on is like the, the Roth IRA. And then also the HSA, we haven't really dove into HSAs before on mm -hmm. the, on the show, but Corey and I were getting into not really the argument, but just the conversation of, Hey, should we implement an IRA into our investing? I guess you want to call it like investing wheel, right? Like mm -hmm. you're limited at 6,000. If you make a certain amount, right. You're, or you're capped at a certain amount. You can only put $6,000 in per year. Correct. What's the benefit of adding this to your portfolio? If you already have a 401k, you're already invested in real estate, you already have a side savings account. Like, can you maybe touch on those and why someone that's actually kind of already steamrolling through the process of financial independence, why they would want to add that if they possibly can? Yeah. So anybody to clarify, anybody can invest up to $6,000 into a Roth IRA or into an IRA specifically. The Roth versus traditional is where the income limits come in, into play. So, um, and that's not really ultimately that important. I think the biggest thing is investing into the 6,000. So why this is important and why I prioritize like the IRA over like a 401k or anything else would be because of the investment options and the low fees. So 401ks often have high fees. The average person spends about 138,000 in investment fees in the 401k. Um, so that's a pretty big portion when it comes to fee income or fee loss. That's over the life of the of the of investing into it. That's Correct. Like the average. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Average in 140, man. That's a lot. And like that's why I preach low cost index funds because that's part of that's expense ratios and playing. A lot of times, you know, we don't even invest in my wife's 401k currently because it's so poorly ran it's, you know, there's 10 options. They're all 1% or higher in expense ratio. And it's just not, it's not suitable for us to invest in. Um, so the IRA, you're going to be in the open market. So there's no limitations like a 401k is a specific plan. So that company is going to go purchase a set of investments and say, here, here you go. Here's your options. Whereas Roth IRA, you can invest in literally anything. Um, so that's one of the big things. And then obviously the fees. So, the um, fees and investment options are the biggest two reasons I would invest in an IRA versus like a 401k first. Okay. Thank you. And so just to peel back one layer further. So you go into the IRA, right? And you said, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm going to invest here. Why would one go for an index fund over a target date fund? And um, just to, to get brief on that, like a target date fund, essentially, basically you pick the age that you believe you want to retire. Right. And it's, mm -hmm. it allocates funds for you based on your risk over time. Right. It's a computer doing it for you essentially right now yeah. in an index fund, you kind of pick your own and you kind of have to re reallocate your asset allocation every year, I believe. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot of work for some people. So maybe if you could explain some tactics there, like why you would choose one over the other and, and where someone is in their life. Yeah. So, okay. So to start off, I don't think target date funds are bad, but they're definitely not my pr like first option. My first option would be index funds, locust index funds. And technically the, the target date retirement fund is still invested in stocks, bonds and stuff. So I just say, let's do it ourselves, DIY it. And so the question becomes like, well, is that, is that a lot of work? Is that a lot of manual work to have to do? I don't think I've touched my allocations or my investments in over 10 years. Um, so I've truly set it and forgot it. Um, I check, you know, I update the balance sheet and stuff from week to week because I'm a CPA. But like, other than that, I really don't do anything with investing. Like everyone's like, oh my God, how do you get, how you have these investment accounts that are so large? It's like, guys, the easiest thing behind this is to set it and forget it. Now, from time to time, you want to maybe readjust your allocations, but it does not take a lot of work. Um, a few clicks of a button with proper guidance is all it need, all you need. 
Um, I usually use 120 minus my age for stocks and other assets. So if that's a real REITs, I really like REITs, by the way. Uh, I know you guys are real estate into real estate and stuff. So I like REITs. A lot of people say 120 minus your age, like let's say I'm 30 years old. So 90% would be stocks, 10% would be other assets. And so when you yeah. look at that, you're like, okay, 10% other assets, where should I go with that? You know, obviously not cash. That would be an awful one. Maybe cryptocurrency is a new one um, to add to the mix, but bonds, real estate, cryptocurrency, things like that would be your other asset class. 90% would be stocks. So I highly recommend, and this is a rule of thumb again. So um, I highly recommend like a high, high stock allocation, especially for younger, the younger generation. Um, and it doesn't take much time to update. Like I said, I mean, you set, you set a t an index fund of the S&P 500 or VT Sachs, 90%, 10% goes to a REIT. Um, let's say, O, for example, and that's all, um, going forward, you can update it here and there, maybe every five, 10 years, but you don't have to do it that much. So it's not too hard. That's very good advice for people to just get their, their mind right about around this. I mean, would you recommend like, even to break it down even further, like in terms of how to get started, like, do you recommend Fidelity Vanguard? Like what, what, what's the way I use Fidelity? I love Fidelity, but I'm curious what you use just so people are like, okay, I get it. Uh, but like, where do I go now? Like, yeah, yeah. So Vanguard's my premier option, but Fidelity and Charles Schwab are, are right there with them. I, I do not think, I think I started with Vanguard because my 401k. So I have kind of an allegiance to them but and I've consolidated everything through them, but Fidelity and Charles Schwab are just right, right in line with them. Um, those are the three premier options. As far as starting, I think it's, it's, it's simpler than you think. Like literally, if you go to the websites, Vanguard.com, Fidelity.com, you, I mean, everyone's going to look a little different, but you go to investing, you hit IRA, you hit open account to make it simple. Um, and that's really all it is. And then you select your investments, but it takes you through a pretty sequential steps. Like a, it's a pretty basic, um, I walked through a client through opening an IRA yesterday through Vanguard. Super simple. Took maybe 10 minutes to do. And he set up in his, his IRA. So um, I have, I have you know, resources. I have free. I have a reel that shows step-by-step -step process of doing this. Free content on my Instagram that people can see. Um, DM me. That's always an easy way to do it. Um, I always help people through the DMs as much as I can. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And thank you for that. I think um, <clears throat> I'd imagine that a lot of our listeners maybe potentially already have this, but it's just good to know that if that we have some new listeners, maybe who are just getting started and we are very heavily focused on real estate. We both have index funds as well, but like the most, the, a lot of what I don't spend goes into real estate. And I think Ryan can say the same. So it's like, it's just cool, good to hear. Um, although you have a, a lot in your 401k I, too. Yeah. I have a lot of different random invest, investment accounts, but like, <laughs> and, and my wife does too. Right. So you're kind of playing the game on both sides. Um, and also uh, life insurance, which is a cool one in that cash account too. So um, I guess I'll ask, I guess I'll ask you on that too. I, I have a couple questions really quick, but what are your thoughts on um, like life insurance policies and essentially like over, I guess you're overfunding them to create a cash account that you can draw off of and becoming your own bank. Any thoughts mm -hmm. there? So I'm a big term life guy. Um, I don't get into the whole life or index universal life or anything like that. Um, I don't think it's a bad strategy for some in very unique situations, but typically the math will favor the term life, but it just depends your situation. So I don't want to say, you know, one, one's right or the other, but for like 90% of people, I would say term life's your best bet because it's usually a way cheaper. Um, so you can go get term life for the purpose of getting insurance. Um, we have two $500,000 policies. We have, minimal debt, zero risk. So like, we think that's enough. Um, 
you know, depending on where you're at risk level, it depends on how much you really need to have in, in the life insurance account. But, you know, I think term life and then invest the rest type of thing. That's my strategy. Um, typically whole life's 10 times the amount. So therefore you take that 90% spread, you invest the rest and you invest in the insurance for 10%. So that's typically what I would recommend. But like I said, everyone's situation is different and there's no like one size fits all in personal finance. So right. that's the beauty of it. Cool. Last one for me. Sorry. I know you're, no, you're chugging good. along. I just, so we talked about you recommended Vanguard, right. And then potentially fidelity to, for like where your investments go, people will, could have a lot of different investment accounts spread out, right? Corey and I use Mint to manage our personal finances, right? And it just has this one hub. I've heard of personal capital. Do you have one that you and your family use or one that you recommend to, to clients as well, just to like have a hub that you can check every day or, or just make sure things are funneling in the right place? Not every day like me, because I'm literally a freak about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, same here. So it's all good. <laughs> um, I think, I think the two that you mentioned, Mint and uh, Personal Capital are great. Actually, it's in my budget course in front of me that I'm creating right now. Um, those are two I would highly recommend. The other one would be uh, You Need a Budget, YNAB. So those would be the three I like. However, I think that um, manually doing it to a certain extent, it's very automated, but my, my budget course I'm coming out with, um, Budget to Financial Freedom, is going to be walking through the Excel-based version of that. But I often recommend you to get that to kind of organize the data all consolidated. So it's not like all over in a bank statement and solve a mess and stuff. Um, so I like Mint. I've used Mint personally for five, 10 years myself. And I just input it, everything into my spreadsheet and that shoots off some, some cool calculations. Sweet. So essentially you, I guess you use, excuse me, you use Mint to have it all automated, right? And like chugging along, you just log in and then exactly. you have your personal spreadsheet. So that way you can manually go in and fine tooth with going with fine tooth comb and kind of like, change allocations or play with certain functions in order to, to see your prop, like what your progress would be in X amount of years or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think those, those tools have some good out, some good output and stuff. Um, but I know personally, I know what kind of output I'm looking for. So I just created it manually. Um, and that's what I'm trying to get out to people. And so like being able to see like the allocations, let's say you're looking at your budget in total and you say, Hey, this, this allocated, this percentage is, um, you know, over 10% of my total expenses. Let's take a look at this one specifically. Um, so those are the kind of outputs I put automated calculations to the Excel spreadsheet that kind of help people um, pinpoint their, you know, their, their, where they're overspending and stuff. Got it. That's great. I want to kind of move a little bit to like paying off debt. And I know that you have this great story about paying off your primary residence, but I want to start like high level and just and kind of break it down. And I'm wondering why you think it is that Americans are so accustomed to getting into bad debt and what it is about our society that allows that to be like a continuous cycle. That's a, that's a deep conversation, honestly. Like there's, if you think about it, like in everything that we have um, in our society, it's like, Hey, this payment plan, um, Best Buy, you know, you go to Best Buy, you can, you can loan a $500 you know, TV for three, 30 payments of $12 or whatever, you know, I'm yeah, not doing the right yeah. math, right. But it's so it's, it's so it's everywhere. And so like every corner you go, you'll see like a payday lender or every store you walk into, you'll get a, a, a company credit card through them that you can make payments or get, you know, all this, all these discounts. So it's just so embedded into our society. So everywhere you look, if you're not careful, you can get wrapped up in debt so easily. Um, obviously the student loan crisis is a big deal right now. So like, student loans are just like, Hey, I mean, that, that was me. Um, I was told to go to college and just 
go to college. Like that's all I did. That's all I knew. And, um, I didn't really know like, Hey, I'm going to walk away with $40,000 in student debt, which I was very fortunate to be honest. Like to say that's not even a lot compared to a lot of people. It's not a lot to be honest. And, um, so we walked, I walked away with a reasonable amount, but some of my friends walked away with six figures, like without even thinking. And so you get in this, this cycle of just like, Hey, it's the norm. It's kind of what happens. If you don't watch out and you don't read about this stuff, you're going to get caught in that cycle. And, sometimes it's so detrimental. Like you can't get out of it. Right. So now we've recognized the problem. I just wanted to go high level with it. And now I want to talk about like your strategy for paying off debt while still trying to invest. I mean, you talk to a lot of individuals who think one way, don't start investing until you pay off debt. Personally, I don't think that's smart. That's just me, but I'm curious what you think is the best way. And then I'll have a specific scenario for you because you talked about that six figure debt. Cause I think that there's a lot of people that are facing that. So um, first I just want to, yeah. What, what's your overall strategy of paying off debt while you attempt to invest or maybe you don't. Yeah. So it depends. <laughs> of yeah. course that's the answer you probably just don't want to hear, but like basically what I look at, and this is my thought process behind it, my kind of my decision tree is the, if I can get you out of debt within one to two years, I will say stop investing. If you can commit to that one to two year period, if you go anything above that, I'm like, not even a chance. I don't want to get you in this position um, because I think in, obviously investing is going to make the bigger, the better return. Typically that's pretty obvious. Now, if you have credit card debt of 20% interest rates, that's a different story. You're not going to make returns on the investing game anyway. So you've got to pay that off first. But if you have debts under, let's say 6%, um, I think it really comes down to, can you get it done in one to two years or not? And so that's the decision deciding factor in the, in that. Great. You kind of answered the question about the scenario then. My scenario would, I'll say it anyway, but it's like, let's say somebody has a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt at, yeah. you know, whatever that percentage is, is it like five or six, maybe 7%. Yeah. Um, and they make $75,000 a year and they want to start building wealth. And you kind of just gave us a scenario, but maybe if there's yeah. anything more you can add to it, what would you tell this person um, in terms of, cause that five, 6% is not like, potentially what you would make in the, in the, in the index funds, but it's close to it. So I'm just curious how you would approach that. So I think the first thing is like, you got to be comfortable with, and you got to know yourself. So if you're okay with having that debt, I don't have a problem with you keeping it. Like I, I'm of the, the reason I'm so aggressive with this because I'm so conservative. So I just like to get, get rid of it um, regardless. And that's what that's, so that's what we did personally. But if you're okay with debt and you're okay with that interest rate spread, um, on a spreadsheet that looks better, right? Because, um, you're going to make, let's say 10%, the common, uh, number thrown around with the investing. Um, and then on the budgeting or on the debt side, if you have under 6%, 7% and technically that two or 3% spreads going to be in your favor, but real life happens a lot of times and it doesn't work out exactly like that all the time. So I think as long as you know yourself, um, I would go kind of with that approach. Thank you. So we have a lot of real estate junkies that are listening to the show. And I, I, I know we're heavy on financial independence right now and personal finance, but can we touch on your personal residence and how you're paying that down so aggressively again? I know you mentioned it briefly, but maybe like when you bought it, what type of house it is. And then I guess what you bought it for, if you're comfortable with, and like just yeah. 14,000 a month is a lot, man. Like, and you, I'm sure you've worked up to it, <laughs> but like, so much. like yeah. what's your, what's your plan of attack? Did you go through the, um, uh, I forget what the exact, uh, what it's called amortization, amortization schedule. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, That's exactly um, what I have. and then go through it monthly and then you allocated a certain amount. Like, can you maybe talk on that tactic and then your projection of like, Hey, this is when we'll have it paid off. And then, uh, you know, 
to have no housing expense is amazing. And that's an asset you can potentially sell or, um, 1031 exchange down the line. It's something bigger. Exactly. Like, let us know there. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, the, the house is $250,000. We purchased it for, um, we lived in the Cincinnati, Ohio. So that's pretty, that's a mid tier house. You know, it's, it's a nice average, I guess you could say it's a one story ranch. So we have a, we have a one story with a basement, obviously. So, um, it's a really nice house. I mean, and we've, we've looked at it as we purchased it in when I was 24 years old to so 2016, um, August 1st, 2016 was the first mortgage payment. So we, uh, we looked at this and we were like, okay, the mortgage is the last piece of this equation. Like we weren't going to touch it because I wouldn't say anybody needs to pay off their mortgage early. Like that's not something I say like, you have to do like by any means. Um, if anything, it's a, we have 2.375%, like it's as low as you're going to get. Um, and so some people call me crazy for doing it, but again, you know, that's a different story. Um, but what we did with it is like, we looked at it as like, Hey, we're going to pay off our debt. We're going to get our emergency fund set. We're going to be investing all this money. Then anything over that, let's start putting it to the mortgage because that's our next goal. And so we're very goal oriented. So we do zero-based budgeting. And so every dollar has a purpose and we, we point it some, some direction. So like we could invest more, we could not, but that 14,000, the first month is this month that we can do that. We did not have that in, in our amortization schedule per se. Um, so it's been building up as you know our income has increased, honestly. like It wasn't from cutting a bunch of expenses or living really frugally or like living like a hermit. Like I'm not, that's not how I, how we do things. Like we're going to Hawaii on a $5,000 vacation in, in May. So it's not like we're sitting here shivering because um, we don't have our heat on type of thing. Right. Um, and so we built that, that month to month amount up that we pay additionally for two years now. So um, we really got aggressive, I think mid 2020 when we started pushing a lot to it. And that started maybe with 20, 30, $3,200 extra. And so that's increased 3,200 to 14,000 now, um, in about a year. That's awesome. So I thank you for bringing that up of like, Hey, I'm not Ironman. I'm not shivering. And I don't know. Like, <laughs> a lot of people would think like when you have this conversation, it's like, all right, what's this guy doing? Is he not living his life and, and <laughs> enjoying it? Is he just grinding, trying to pay off debt? And like, in the cycle, right. Your own little wheel that we'd call it. So, uh, that's awesome. Congratulations on your, on your, uh, trip to Hawaii. It's going to yeah. be amazing. I, I went it's, it's very fun. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. So that's important to bring up. And I think it's important to touch on, I know we, we touched on your why and like why you're doing things here bef kind of before in the financial independence movement, but like for your, can you touch on it in your life too? Like also like maybe some personal goals that you guys have just to kick it back there. I think there are a lot of people are thinking like, okay, like I'm, I'm in this cycle here. Right. But like, when do I break out? When do I go on vacations? How do I celebrate these wins? Cause I think not often enough people celebrate their wins and milestones. Like that's a huge milestone that you're able to pay $14,000 off on your mortgage. Like how are you guys kind of celebrating other than the fact of, Hey, we're paying this thing down. Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest thing is our why. So to get back to that first is like the real reason I'm paying this off and we're trying to get really aggressive with it is so I can stay home full time, do budget dog full time and stay home with my daughter full time. Um, so if I'm actively involved as, you know, a father, like that's ultimately our, our end goal. Right. So like we're very motivated to get to that level. Um, but in the meantime, we do want to celebrate our wins, you know, like we don't like our vacation to Hawaii is, I guess, one of those things, you know, like I was like, yeah, we can throw 5,000 extra dollars to the mortgage and pay it off a month earlier. But like, what's the purpose if we already have a very aggressive plan, we're already paying a lot of money. Um, so we do celebrate, we don't live 
frugal, like we live frugally and intentional, but we don't like just live bare bones. Like we make sure we get what we, what we would like. Um, but we're not just going to go spend to spend at the same time. Yeah. I think David green, when we had him on, maybe it would be probably six episodes ago. Now when yours comes out that he was saying that like, <clears throat> nobody wants to make their own soap. Like, so it's like, <laughs> there's only so much that you can like, that you can take back where you still are enjoying your life. And Ryan, I think about this all the time, <clears throat> like, you know, you got to increase your income and how much, what are you really willing to put up with during this time where you're like going after either investing very aggressively or paying off debt very aggressively. And it's like, it's kind of a happy medium because we have goals to live this great life, but you can't do it all right now or else you're never going to get to where you want to go. So I think it's go ahead. That's oh, great, absolutely. I think it's a great point for Corey to bring up is like, you can't do it all at once. And we've today, we were recently talking about, it's like, we're kind of over at sometimes you feel like you're over encumbering yourself with work and this financial independence. And it kind of weighs on you. And you're like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm like my, my chest is starting to hurt or like I'm getting super stressed <laughs> feelings that I've not felt before. Right. And like that could yeah. come from, Hey, you're starting a family. You have budget dog. You have your regular job. You have your wife, like everything. The reason I'm at bringing this conversation up is like, I want to know how you balance your time right? Like people hear all this amazing things, all these amazing things you're doing. We've heard of the miracle morning where you get up at five and then you work out and, and X, Y, Z. Run 80 like, miles. Yeah. <laughs> 80, everyone's different, right? So how are you personally balancing this? And what would you recommend for people that, you know, are taking on a lot right now to get to the next level and shaving off a couple of years for retirement? Yeah. So that's, a, it's, it's tough to balance your time. I'm going to be honest. That's not something I'm great at at this moment. Um, but it's also because I know it's a short term thing. So like what I like to do is I like to audit my time. I like to look at my day and realize like, Hey, I spent one hour mindlessly scrolling on the internet. Like let's take that out and see what I can do productive with that one hour. Um, so being able to balance like, Hey, you know, right now I'm working, like I said, 70, 80 hours a week on my regular job. So like, it's hard to like cut back on that because it's, there's requirements. I signed up for the job. Like it's what it is. So anything over that, I'm like, okay, well, now I got to focus on budget dog to make sure this is still running um, so I can build this to where I want to get it to. Um, and there's all this, all these things that play. And, you know, you have, you have, I have two dogs, I have a wife, like they require time. They want to spend, spend time with me. And so it's hard to balance that. But I think the biggest thing is to look at your day and really think about it. Like, okay, I'm, the first thing I do in the morning is work out. Now I don't run 80 miles. I don't work, wake up at 3 a.m. Um, but it's typically the first thing I do to get that out of the way, to get it gone. Um, you know, and then I, I go to go to work, get my work done after work. I try to turn off everything and just spend time, go for a walk. We walk our dogs a lot. I try to do that as best as possible. Now in, in a perfect world, I would be able to do that every day. It's, it's kind of hard, but like, I think the biggest thing is like understanding, like if you go 24 hours a day for an extended amount of time, eventually you're going to crash. And you got to realize like, no matter who you are, you know, I'm high energy, but like at the same time, like you got to have that balance. You got to find it because at some point it doesn't matter who you are, if you're the rock or you're, you know, the president, like you're going to crash. Um, so to cut back and realize you're human and like the whole, your whole life's not purpose is not to work. Like that's important to understand and um, to kind of factor into your, your daily your daily tasks and stuff. I think it's really cool that you brought this up because once the snowball gets rolling, it actually gets a lot easier. I think the hardest part is to start, right? The, oh, literally yeah. it's, it's in everything. Like, so it real estate investing or, you know, your first couple, two, three, four deals, you're like, this is, 
this is a lot, this is really hard. And then as these oil wells start to create income for you, you're like, okay, this is getting easier. And as, and it's the same thing for you, as the index funds start to grow, as the investments start to grow, as you are able to pay down debt, as you're about to, as you're able to allocate more money towards each specific fund, it does get easier. So you've, we've talked about this. You're, you started this journey, like only like really five years ago, right? Five, so five years ago, paying off debt. Yeah. So if you can do this for 10, right. Say you're halfway through, I think it's a little bit better than the alternative of working for 40 and trying to save up a million dollars to retire and hoping that you get there. So it, it's kind of like that that's the end goal that we would have in mind. Right. And it's, you know, it, it's hard to, to like put it into words, but it, it really, it will pay dividends off, right? You need, you need to realize that you're putting all this time, energy and effort into it now for the payoff down the line. And it, it's hard. That's why not everybody does it. That's why we're having conversations like this. Like there's not a hundred Brennan's out there. There's one, you know what I mean? So it's one of those yeah. things where it's like having these conversations is cool just to see what certain people are doing, but it's not, it isn't for everyone. Some people just aren't built for it or they don't have, they don't want to do it. Right. Which is, is totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I, Brennan, while we're on the subject of it, like, I know you've started a few different businesses too. And like the, the hardest part to us was, is like systematizing the business. Right. And like you mentioned budget dog and like, ha- you didn't really mention exactly where it falls into your daily schedule. Maybe that's a weekend thing for you or at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could dive into that and then how you systematize that to help funnel some extra cash into this 14,000 that you're able to now pump towards your, your mortgage, I think it'd be cool and motivating for people to be like, wow, I, you know, potentially I could do this too. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think anybody can actually do it if they have a little bit of passion and they have some time they allocate and they dedicate to it. Um, and it's consistency. There's no like secret to what I'm doing. It's just, I have been doing it literally every single day for two years. And so now people look at it and like, how do you have all this income? It's like, cause I built a business. Like that's, that's as simple as that. And there wasn't anything spectacular. I did. I started an Instagram account. That's what I started. That's what I did. Um, I had zero idea what I was doing but I just learned as I went. Like, and I think a lot of times you got to jump into something and learn as you go. Um, so I started an Instagram account. I started a Twitter account. I've started to, um, look and see what other people are doing, who is successful out there, who knows what they're doing. Cause I don't, I can tell you that I barely use social media at the time. So like my first couple of posts, if you look back they're they're awful. Um, <laughs> we were just I looking at our learning. first couple of posts on our, our Instagram too. And I'm like, can't believe we put that out. So yeah. it, it's, it's bad. Like, it, and it's okay. Like that's the thing. So like one thing I did do was I outsourced my content because I system systematically did that. And I was like, okay, where can I save some time? And so I knew my friend was a graphic designer professional in the space. So why not spend a little bit of money there, um, to buy back my time essentially, which is ultimately my goal and have him create my post. I give him the idea. He creates a nice little graphic and I shoot it out. Like, so that was one thing I cut back time on. Um, but I just spent maybe, you know, two, three hours every night after work, um, during the week. And then on the weekend, I would spend most of the day building this for a short, a short amount of time. And I realized, Hey, if I do this for a short amount of time and sacrifice for just a little bit of time, I can grow this to something where this will become my full-time job. And now, okay, I'm working 20, 30 hours now at this, if I, let's say quit my nine to five to be able to do this 20 to 30 hours is nothing compared to what I'm working now, let's say a hundred. Um, and so again, it's not for everybody, but if they know they want something, they can absolutely do it. It doesn't take a genius. I'm by no means a genius. I'm just consistent with it. I think that's amazing. So I I think you're pretty smart, dude, but, uh, (laughs) I just, just letting you know, but uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of nuggets there. Right. So like the first one I think for me is like, cause we're going through this, right. So it's kind of cool. Like you're, you're at step 10, we're at step five or whatever is four. And so I'm thinking about six. The, maybe six. Yeah. I'm thinking about this, the content creation 
and how much of a time suck that is for us, right? Like we're doing that every day. We have someone that creates it, but also like we have to, you have to learn it. You have to study it. And you're like, okay, what would potentially hit? You're looking at the analytics between clips, potentially reels, which we got to learn because we have not been doing that. And clearly it's Instagram wants you to do reels. It's just yeah. like one of those things. And then you have a, you know, we go, we have G suite and we put all our information in there. Then we use Asana for like tax creation and, and like who's responsible for what. And it's just a lot of things. It's another job. Right. So oh we're my God, always yeah. working 80 hours a week. Like it's just <laughs> all the time. I'm like, Holy crap. Like what is going on? So outsourcing is important. I want to touch there. And it's like, obviously you outsource to a friend, right. And you paid X amount of dollars. Like some people don't have that cash in the beginning to, to give to a friend to potentially do this, like maybe touch on if, if you know, there's any other ways people can outsource, but then also, can you dive in on the income streams? Like you've built, you know, you said budget dog and it's like allowed you to create an a surplus of extra income, right? Like, is it a course that you have? Is it tutoring? Is it a book? Like what are some ways people can generate revenue by building a side business and that it doesn't have to be in personal finance, just maybe their niche. So there's a lot of, a lot of things to that. So I'd say the first thing to the outsourcing t- thing is like, Hey, if you don't have the money up front. So one, I did not outsource anything until I brought in income. So I made sure I was bringing in income. And then I realized from a cost benefit perspective, I looked at it and was like, Hey, this is X amount of dollars. I'm making X amount of dollars. Why not just outsource that? Because that probably equals, let's say three or four hours of my time that's more valuable than what I'm paying. So I looked at it as a cost benefit plus. Um, and so if people don't have the money up front, why not barter? You don't have to, there's bartering is the thing I, I love most, you know, hustling and stuff like that. Um, buying, selling, trading and stuff. You don't have to necessarily give money to um, get something in exchange. You can give your time. You can, you can uh, give a service of something else that you're an expert in and give that service to somebody else. And in return, they'll give you, let's say content creation. Um, so if you do not have the money up front, I highly recommend to find something you're good at and find ways to barter elsewhere. Um, besides the dollar, um, as far as revenue streams, I have quite a few. Um, and it's amazing what people can do with like Instagram and social media. Um, so some of these are going to be like individual, like well squad revenues, one of these lines. And so that's, you know, a discord chat, which I think in, to be honest, Discord is a very popular thing. You can make a lot of money in that um, alone. We have product income. So if you go to my store, shop, or store and hit shop now, you'll see my book, my, um, my 401k book, my investing one-on-one book, my, all my other products. My courses is a big line. Um, so Budget Dog Academy. And I'm actually about to rebrand that to be a live Zoom class for a six-week class. Um, consultation income. So one-on-ones. Um, if you are an expert in something and just selling your knowledge is something spectacular on the internet. Like in today's world, there's no better time in the, in the world to sell your knowledge. Like people are dying to understand real estate. For example, you guys, I would pay you guys a million bucks to figure out, Hey, how can I scale into this real estate game? Like why wouldn't I pay for that? If you guys have the knowledge, um, stuff like that, selling your knowledge, um, consultation incomes, a big one, especially this month alone. So one-on-ones, figuring out your pricing structure, um, setting that really organizing your system to look very professional and people are going to start buying into you. So so giving out that free content for a long time over a consistent amount of time and, um, to a lot of good juicy content, people are going to be like, okay, I want to know more. It's not just this Instagram thing. Like you have some cool posts, whatever. I like this, but now I want to dig in deeper. What else do you have to offer? That's when your services come into play. That's when your courses come into play the additional deeper knowledge that people are striving to get. 
and they're willing to pay, let's say $16, $20, $30, $40 for a course, because think about college. I went to college and I learned more in a $40 course on the internet than I did for $80,000 at college, to be honest. Like it's so doable today. <laughs> I feel like I was just talking to a therapist of like all the things that we're not doing that we should be doing because it's maybe not a therapist, but like, just like you just laid it out for, and, and people do look at Ryan and I, and, look, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I've said it a couple of times that like, we are some f- form of small authority in the real estate investing space. However you want to look mm-hmm. at it, people look to us for advice. I think we do have some to offer, but I, I don't see myself as like an expert. Maybe I'm, being modest. I'm not sure. But the point is that we're not selling courses. Like we're not, we're not out there yet. And I think you just told us in a way that it's like people, people do want to see what's the next layer behind the Instagram Mm -hmm. account. And they want, and and I think it's valuable information. Yeah. I have a couple of things on that too. It's like, we we're focusing, I think you talk about the posts, the reels and like the content, right. And like, you've kind of automated that, which is great. Like your brain's behind it, but you have someone else doing it. And that takes a couple hours back and you can focus on the business rather than in the business and in the weeds, right? Like you're, Correct. you're focusing on the strategy, right? Like you got the book, you have the course. You're like, this is how I monetize things. And that's why it's not why you're doing it, but it's like, Hey, I'm putting all this time, energy and effort into this, into these graphs and these posts and like to grow your brand. And then, but it's like, at some point you got to monetize, right? Like it's, you got to get paid for your time that's been sucked away. And we, I think Corey and I to a fault, we're like, we're trying to focus on producing this amazing content. We're like, wow, we're not growing and we're not, it's not going at a crazy space. We see someone like you, who's at like 40,000 followers, right? Which is amazing, right? You built an an amazing community, right? But people know you, you've peeled back the layers, right? They, you, of course, as you work one-on-one. So I guess my question for you is like, what, what do you believe allowed you to grow your community to, to that big amount? I know it takes like hard work and dedication, but like maybe strategy wise, like just use us as a case study. Like how can, what could we do potentially to, to let people in a little bit more and like help us give back to them and, and maybe grow our community a little bit bigger. And then also like talk about, we're talking about like creative posts too. Like, do we need to do this real thing? Like, do people want to see our faces more than these graphics? So, uh, you know, I know it's a lot, but Whatever you think. Yeah, there's a lot of insight into that. So um, I'm trying to think of where to start here. So I think the first thing is I heard impo- or I heard basically imposter syndrome. Like I don't feel like I'm an expert. Never feel like that. You always have an amount of knowledge that is above somebody else that could help somebody else. So it doesn't. I'm by no means in, and there's people way above my level. Um, but like if I said that person's smarter than me, therefore I'm not as smart as them. I can't do this or help people then I'd be, I'd fail myself. Like there's no reason because there's always going to be somebody bigger, faster, stronger than you. So like, as far as if you have knowledge, it doesn't matter what level you're at, it's going to help somebody at some level. So like never feel as if that's going to deter you from, from starting or putting out a course or something like that. But then also learning from people that have done it. So um, one of the big things you mentioned about the reels and like the content and stuff, be authentic. I think that's the biggest thing on social media. There's so much crap and stuff out there that I can't, handle. Um, and like I said, I was never an Instagram person, but I always looked at it as like, ah, oh, they're phonies. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm going to stay away from that. So show, get on IG lives a lot. Um, show who you are, talk about things other than your niche, talk about who you are. Um, people love to know who you are and they buy from you. They don't buy your product. Um, so they actually buy into you. And I think that's really important. Um, as far as like the reels and like the type of content, I think that's important. Um, from an algorithm perspective, but I don't think it's everything. Like, I think, you know, my recent reels got 200,000 views. Like 
okay, that's, that's awesome. But like, that's not driving my growth. I think the authenticity and people realize like I'm here for a good purpose rather than just like making money. Like to be honest, when I first started, um, it wasn't really a business. It was kind of a, I just did it to help people, to be honest. So like I was giving out free consultations and all this stuff. Like, and eventually I was like, all right guys, I got it. This is a business. I would rather, I want to help people, but the price I put on things is going to give you 10, a hundred thousand X in value. So like, if I put some price on it, one, it makes you take it serious, but two, it's going to give you exponential value anyway. So like it makes sense. And it lets me start a business like and do this full time. And I think that's a big thing to it. So like, as far as the content, I want to get too wrapped up into it, you know, figure out what works, how to grow and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing is just being authentic and sharing your story. People like to hear stories versus just like, Hey, this fact and this fact of personal finance, like 30% of people live but month to month, you know what I mean? Type of stuff like that. I think it's yeah, totally. really important to, you know, share your story, how you're doing things like my house payoff. When I first started this process, I actually was not sharing the story. I was kind of doing it, but I wasn't sharing it. I started sharing the story and people were like, how are you doing this? Like, I want I want to know more and people buy into that and they want to, they follow your journey. They want you to win. You know what I mean? I think that's a really good point because when you put a personalization on it, people get really interested and they're like, Oh, this is a real person that, that can not only show me what they're doing, but may potentially help me do it as well. So I, I totally agree. And, and we were, I know Rye mentioned in previous episodes, like he was originally like hesitant to share the information or the numbers or like what was actually going on. And then once you open that Pandora's box, you're like, this actually works. It's helping other people, therefore bringing them value. And then we have, inherent value in, in the space. So yeah. It is like a little bit imposter syndrome in the beginning. We talked about how your posts are going to be shitty, honestly. And like, you're going to look <laughs> back on them and you're like, all right, like, but you have to start somewhere. Right. And then we we've kind of grown to the, the evolution we're at now. And it's like, Hey, I'm willing to share, but it's also strange where you're like, we're putting all this stuff out in a podcast and on, on social media. Like anyone can see it. Like your family starts asking you questions, your coworkers, and it gets a little weird. And you're like, well, I did share all that online. You know what I mean? And, and that's like the kind of balance of human beings. You're like, I don't want to show all my cards all the time. Right. Too. Just cause mm-hmm. it's personal. You don't know sure. who's listening, but there's sure. a, there's a fine balance there too. Um, so I think it's important to bring up and it's, you can tactfully share things and let people in to get to know you because people do buy for you. We talk about relationships all the time. You're not buying in it. You know, specifically I work in sales and you're not buying specifically for the product. You're buying for the person that's helping you sell the product and like, who's going to be handholding you all the way. So I really like exactly. that. I want to touch on strategy one last time. And just before we go, I was like onto the next subject, but it's like, you mentioned a lot of different revenue streams, right? Like, mm-hmm. but you didn't just wake up one day and say, Hey, I know how to do this. I know how to put this into a business. Like we're at the point where like, we have a lot of ideas. So who do you suggest we lean on or maybe like, is it a book? Is it a, is it a course we take to say like, this is how you start a, a, whatever you want to call it, Instagram business. But like, here's how you write a Here's a tactful way to put a course together. Uh, one-on-one consulting, like X, Y, Z, like you had to learn that at some point. Could you shed mm-hmm. a little light on that? Maybe for people who have a, an idea of a business, but they're not sure how to streamline it. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, because honestly I learned from scratch. Like I, I wish I had that ultimate like guide to give me everything. Right. Um, but when I jumped in, I didn't know anything. And so like each one of these revenue streams, I'm looking at them right now, like my consultation income, I knew I could do one-on-ones, but how do I format that? How do I brand it into something that like is provides value? So I just started thinking about, Hey, my personal, what do I do for my personal finances? Like, let's just take that to the business side of things and then like automate it and, you know, put it into a template that people can fill out and give back to me. I can provide them output. 
So that's what I did with the consultation income. Um, so I looked at personally, what am I doing to help myself? And I just turned it into that revenue stream. So that was a pretty easy one. Um, you know, promotional revenue is one of the things I didn't really touch on too much. That's just the more reach you have, you know, attention's the new currency. So like, if you have a big reach, people are going to pay you to shout them out, to um, partner with them and stuff. So like yesterday I made, you know, X amount of dollars. and just through my story, shouting somebody out. Um, you know, I vet their page. I make sure they're legitimate, um, have good content. And why not? You know, it's a win-win for both sides. Important stuff. Um, That's interesting. Not to cut you off, but so yeah. someone will just DM you, right? And say, hey, be- because you have X amount of followers, I'm willing to pay you. What, like, what's the amount for something like that? For like, uh, not if you, you don't have to share yeah. it too granularly, but I'm, I'm yeah. curious of like a post on your story or like a post on your feed, right? You have attention is a new currency. I love that. Um, yeah. And if you could just put a number to it, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So usually, a tw- I mean, the market rates are different and depending on how many followers you have, typically right now, 24 hour post story post, I through my, just my stories, I'll charge $40. $40. So not a ton, but Hey, let's say you get five, 10 a month. Like that adds up as a little smaller yeah. little revenue stream. Um, a post, a permanent post. I've charged a hundred dollars. I've charged 120 before. Um, that's where it shows up as like an actual post on my feed. Um, some partnerships I've done before. That's thanks for the free game there. Cause yeah, <laughs> you've given us a lot of amazing stuff so far. So thank you. Yeah. We and I'm here to help that. you guys too. I mean, it, now that I've been on the podcast, like DM me, like whenever, like I, I, I answer every single DM and give out free game all the time. Like that's just part of who I am and like what I like to do. So I'm always here for you guys as well. Thank you so That's much. Great. And vice versa, right? Like if we can obviously ever do anything now. Cause I'm going to come to you guys for real estate eventually. All right. <laughs> Dude, Dude, you already, have, I mean, it's already done. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever. It's a lock. Yeah. yeah. You just let us know. Um, as we wind down the show, we have a, one of the last segments is called the core four. And um, what we do is we ask the same four questions to our guests. Um, and I'm curious, what's your favorite investing uh, book that you would recommend it, whether people are trying to get started or they're, or they're maybe just a couple steps into the game. What's your favorite investing uh, book or resource? So I, I don't want to be biased, but I'm going to say investing one one which is my book. Um, cool. The only reason I say that is because I've read so many different books. Like yet last week I read psychology of money, which I really like. Um, and there's so many different books, but I've taken all of that stuff and basically condensed it into investing one one so that people can start and I have visuals in this book of how to start a Roth IRA, um, literally step-by-step procedures. And it's built for anybody. So like I start off with a simple lawn care analogy to understand the stock market because people are like, Oh, this is so confusing. It's really simple. Um, if I can use a lawn care analogy to explain the stock market, it's not that complicated. It's just people make it complicated. So like, I'd say that's the best place to start is investing one-on-one. Cool. Second question for you is what's the biggest mistake you've made along your journey so far and what have you learned from it? So financial mistake, I, I think personally, and, and you guys might disagree with this as real estate guys, but like I put three and a half percent down on my personal residence, um, to begin with, I thought that was a horrible mistake for me. Um, even though we had a low interest rate because it was because of the huge amount of liability on the balance sheet that I looked at is like, okay, the interest rate's low, but it's still a huge liability. And based on where our net worth was at the time, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Um, so I'd say that's my biggest, definitely my biggest mistake that I've learned from. And I talk about it on my page. 
actually don't disagree with you. I, I love putting 25% down on, on investment properties. I love it because Smart. I'm hedged against the 10% correction at any time. And we're not over leveraging and we're, I'm not the type of person that wants to put three and a half percent down and get all this debt. So I, I agree with you, but I know there are a lot of real estate investors who will, who will not just because it's yeah. like, you can own this asset for such little money. It's 0% like, down. Like. Yeah. But the, we know what happened with 0% down 2008, right? That's the whole reason why everything went to shit. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. Third question is, um, who is your who for 2021? And by meeting this person, you feel your life and business will be propelled to the next level. And if you don't have somebody that you're, that you'd like to meet or that you you're, you're striving to meet, maybe who is somebody that you have met in the past couple of years that has helped your business get, you know, get taken to the next level. Definitely. Chris Johnson, uh, with wall squad hundred percent. That guy is a marketing business genius. Um, he's let me on well squad as a, as an educator. So I'm, that's one of my revenue streams we've talked about, um, kind of furthering my cause with, you know, helping more people with this. That guy has so much knowledge. It's unbelievable. And he's 29 years old. He's my age too. And I feel like he's so he's light years ahead of where I, where I am from a business perspective. I just started following him, my personal page and I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, he's talking about, he makes $230,000 a year off dividends. Like, <laughs> this guy is like, it's insane. he's just crushing it. You know, he just had his first million performance. dollar month last month. And it's just exponential. It just grows and grows and grows. And like, I, I am like, it, it's actually not that this is a bad or a good thing, but it's actually kind of unfocused me for a brief second from the real estate. Cause I look at it and it's like kind of like shiny object syndrome. And I'm like, <laughs> I, but about like what he's doing, I'm like, there's, it's just so it's, I mean, clearly it's working. So anyway, yeah. I, hey, I, shout out to shout out to wall squad, get money by income. I, I was going to ask about the shirt. I love that. So <laughs> nice plug there. Um, last question for you on the core four is what do you want your legacy to be? I know you touched on your why a little bit on, in both facets, like the business and the personal, but tied it, putting a bow on top. Like what, what do you uh, want your legacy to be in life? Yeah. I want to be able to leave an impact. Uh, one of my slogans is impact over income. So impacts greater than income because you know, you can make a bunch of money. What's the point? I mean, I can make, obviously as I've grown this business and it's very in the infancy stage, I mean, six figure online business in two years, essentially is what we're projected to do this year. So like I could just continually continue at that pace forever and just continually increase and get to Chris Johnson's level eventually. But like, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but if I can't leave an impact in the meantime, it's really mean meaningless, you know, there's, there's no substance behind it. So leaving that impact is going to be huge. I think it's woven into your business anyways, right? Like yep. the, the impact you're, you're touching people's lives every single day. So, yep. I mean, even just this hour with us, like we're eternally grateful. Like you've given totally. us so much just by getting to know you has been awesome, right? It's fun. Like we could easily hang out, grab a beer and, and or go <laughs> across the way. It's whatever. Like, I, I feel like we're just, we're all cut from the same cloth, but it's, it's really cool that you're touching random people throughout the entire U S maybe even further. And, and you are impacting their lives. So you're living by your motto. I think that's amazing. Um, yep. So I guess the last question of the show or the last segment of the show segment. is the last drop. Um, and that question is what could you, what advice would you give to your younger self? If you could go back in time and say, Hey, young Brennan, like this is what you should do and, and not do. I would, there's a lot of stuff, but I'd say the number one thing would be to get more ser serious earlier. Um, if I would have been in this mindset 10 years ago, I couldn't imagine where I'm now, let alone 10 years from now. You know what I mean? Like you're 18 years old. You're, 
you're young, you have a lot of testosterone, you're in college and stuff like that. Like it's, it's, you're in a different mindset typically. Um, but I think if I was more intentional and serious at a younger age, if I started investing earlier, obviously anything that you do earlier is just only going to great impact you down the road. Um, you look at like investing tables. If you invested two years earlier on a 40 year time horizon versus like two years later, it's a significant difference. So like just being more serious and intentional, I, if I would have started this business, I mean, obviously life plays out how it's going to play out, you know, but if I would have started this business at 18 years old, um, maybe my legitimacy would have been there, you know, whatever, but like what that could have done in 10 years, you know, would have been monumental. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that people say that though. They're like, if I only started investing when I was like 11, like I would be so, it's like, yeah, I know. But like you learn it as you go along and like, you're going to look exactly. back in 10 years and be like, wow, I started it at 25 or whatever. And it's like, I, it, 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 it I am where I am at 40 because of that. So Exactly. I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad about it. <laughs> I think it's important to bring up though. It's like, sometimes it's like not taking, taking advantage of an opportunity. So for me, short stories, like I had, I had a personal finance class. Uh, I, I believe it's finance one-on-one, but it was like my senior year in college. And, you know, I didn't, I was like, I'm going to get a job here soon. And they talked about um, opening a brokerage account. They talked about a Roth IRA, a 401k and like all these things. And if I had just started then, like I'm thinking about like the Roth IRA, like luckily I got a job the next year and I started my 401k right away. And I'm looking yep. back now and I'm like, holy shit, I have a ton of money in this 401k <laughs> only because of compound interest and like forgetting about it over the last nine years or whatever it's been. I'm like, if I just started the Roth IRA, then I'd have, I'd have both of these things at this catastrophic level. And it's just, I knew about it and I heard about it, but I didn't take the time to go and do it. And it, and time was on my side and it's, it's less on my side now. So if someone hears this, your advice and mine combined, it's like, you're getting this little nugget now. Don't think about that. Oh, that sounds cool. And then four years go by and then you're done. Just start it today. Go check out budget dogs class and and (laughs) courses. And and clearly you're investing one-on-one book. It shows you all these little nuggets, how to do it. Maybe you spend 40 to hundred bucks on something, but it's going to pay light years and dividends down the line. So that's one of my biggest regrets as well as like starting sooner. I did start, but I didn't start the right way or I missed, I missed the mark on a little on one of the things that it could have, you know, potentially doubled my income at this point. So exactly. Um, Yeah. It, it pissed me off to think about it's it. All good. Uh, I had to share it because it's important. It is important. I'm yeah. just saying like, you can't beat yourself up too much about it. Cause like, but the good thing is now is like podcasts, social media, like kids have it when they're 15, 16. So maybe we do, we are helping to create some 16 year olds that, you know, by the time they're 30, they're at where we're going to be when we're at 45, you know? So it's, right. I hope that happens, you know, because that's so. part of it. I mean, like you hear it one time, let's say you hear it in personal finance class, you ignore it then. But if you hear it over and over and over, you're like, okay, what is this? I need to figure out what this is. Yeah. And eventually it starts to click. So sometimes I'm a slow learner. I can tell you that some things don't click right away. So I'm like, okay, I've heard that one time I ignored it. Second time I'm like, okay, I'm aware of it, but I haven't really, I don't really care about it still. The third time I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of curious. What is this? And so with these podcasts, with these Instagram accounts, just follow these accounts that always talk about that stuff to put it in front of you. Cause you're going to see it over and over and over that's one of the controls, I guess you could say an auditing language that you could put in place in your life to embrace yourself in, in this community, in this culture to where it becomes the norm. And then it's going to start to register a lot earlier than it would with you or I before social media was a big thing. hundred percent. hundred percent. Like I saw one of your posts and it's just one of the things we've talked about multiple times, but you, you listed five people like Kim Kardashian, Jake Paul, whatever they were. 
it's like yeah. celebrities. And then what you said, once you stopped following people like this and you started following people and you listed like five, five people in the personal finance community or real estate, whatever it is, like the, let's just call it the five community. And you started following people like that. And your feed was filled with those people and knowledge to, to take your life to the next level. That's when your life life took off and you, you advanced to the next level versus looking at someone that has a ton of cards, a ton of money, not telling you how to do things or tips yep. and tricks along the way. It's just like, they're at the end game, right? Because of X, Y, Z people like you and people in this community are showing you ste steps one, two, three, four, five, you're walking the book every day, right? You're looking at other yep. people's chapters. And I think it really helps in it, it's a, it's a strong tool. So, um, you know, we've started doing that as well. And, and for me, I'm at least on my personal page that a couple of years ago is what I did. I just stripped out all the accounts. Like, I don't need to follow you. And I started yep. following accounts that actually were teaching me how to make money and it's helped a ton. So. And disclaimer on that post, I did not follow some of those accounts. As Kim Kardashian, it was it was a it was a purpose post, but I don't. Your wife's listening. That's why we get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did it, the whole the like the meaning behind the post, right? It drove. Yeah, me home. exactly. It, it yeah. totally makes sense. Oh yeah, awesome, Brandon. We really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been awesome getting to know you. If if people are interested, we kind of said it throughout the episode. If people are interested in um. And, you know, following you or learning from you, buying your courses, uh, book, et cetera, how can they get in touch with you? So any of my social medias, go to my link in bio, every, all my resources, I have a bunch of free resources and paid for resources in there. Um, it's a gold mine pretty much. So you can find Brendan at budget dog, yep. um, across all social media platforms and we'll tag yep. in a bunch of stuff coming up here soon. Mm -hmm.